I'm going to feed, uh, feed Jason, Jason out. You won't mind. It's up in this brain, Jason. If you're new to my show and you haven't heard of who are the people I listen to whenever I get a chance, this would be uh, up in this brain, Jason. From somewhere near Nashville, Tennessee. Anyway, this is yours truly, Ken, talking to you from Bluffers Park. Uh, this would be the Baby Sally Talks podcast, episode number 50. 50. Yes, indeed. And uh, I met Bluffers looking at some very, very rough water, rough waters here on Lake Ontario. Uh, amazing. Like, wow, there were surfers going out uh, in this in their wetsuits. Now, a weird thing just happened. I was in the, uh, what I call the boat launch parking lot. Uh, for a while, and then I thought, oh, I'm just going to have a little toot. Maybe I'll drive down to the beach side, a little more private there, and uh, I did that. And then I came back to the cat side parking lot. So three parking lots. This is my third one today in the space of half an hour. But as I was driving out of the boat launch, I saw, oh, gee, it looks like a jacket on the ground. It looked all wet. And then a little further, oh, my God, there's a little sweater. That, what? Whoa, a little further, a pair of shoes and something else and something else. At least five, six little piles of clothing. That is just too weird. I'm thinking maybe somebody had, a, you know, left the back of their car open and this stuff fell out or something's weird. I don't know how to explain it. And I was, just as I was coming back in, there's a police car with the trunk open picking up each of those piles of clothing. So it's a little bit ominous, a little bit dark. Like, did somebody strip down and commit suicide last night coming into the park? Or did somebody... Who knows what happened, right? A bit of a mystery there. So, uh, anyway, I don't have the answer. I'm sorry, you're probably saying, well, dude, dude, tell us what happened. I don't know. I don't have a clue. It's just uh, kind of a little bit... Uh, not a good thing. I, I remember a similar incident. It was one of the scarier things that happened to me when I was young, like early teens, I guess. We used to sometimes go up and play above the railway tracks, uh, above 48th Avenue. And there were there were open fields. It was undeveloped. Now it's all commercial real estate and, you know, factories and loading docks and things. And most of the land is used. There was a golf course up there at one point, too. Uh, but anyway... There was a tunnel to get under the tracks, which we had always used when we were going to university because we commuted into Montreal by uh, by rail. 
back then in either the uh, 210 Bud Liner or an early morning old, old train with these old passenger cars. It was great. You'd see your friends at the stop and 48th and Groveville and so on. Anyway, going down this tunnel one day to go up and just and play on the other side, I see a pair of pants on the ground and then a T-shirt or, you know, a, a, a wife beater, I guess. And then a pair of underwear. Uh, and then whatever else was left, I don't know. And I realized, oh, man, this is creepy. Somebody's, like, leaving a trail. And these were the dark days, early 60s, when even the word homo was a bit frightening. Like, you didn't know what they were going to do. You knew they were at the Dorval Shopping Center. If you went into the washroom, you'd see pictures of cocks and, you know, phone numbers to call and things. And it was kind of spooky and uncomfortable. But seeing this, these clothes, and you're figuring, okay... There's somebody naked in the woods on the other side here, and I don't want to go there. So instead, we did more fun things, like if the freight slowed down, there's a bit of a curve there, and the freight slowed down, you could just sort of jump on it, grab a rung, you know, put your foot down on the bottom step of the uh, little ladder, and uh, ride it for a few blocks and get off maybe at 40th Avenue or... 38th, wherever it was slowing down again, but you knew you had to get off soon, you know, because you didn't want to leave the machine. You want to be able to walk back home. Uh, and then I remember the last time sort of missing my foot, missing the bottom rung as I'm, you know, I'm hanging on. Well, my foot goes into the bottom one, it misses, and it goes down towards the wheel, uh, the center of the wheel, fortunately. But I just thought, oh, yeah, whoa, this is, this is probably dangerous. This is probably dangerous. Maybe we shouldn't do this. There's no more dangerous than uh, going up there with a friend who uh, somehow got a 303 shell. I think he stole things. He got keys and he broke into the places. And he stole things out of Lachine High. A roll of magnesium, which he burned all at once. And that was, I remember, the, the our chemistry uh, prof. What was his name? Can't remember. But quite pissed. Like, he knew, hey, I had a goddamn roll of magnesium is expensive for high school. And some bastard... Steals the whole thing and then builds a little fire up above the tracks and burns the whole thing and this bright flare and it's over. Like, hey, why did you do that? But the thing that uh, I remember was him sawing the bullet part with a hacksaw off the top of a 303 shell. You know, in his little part. And then I guess chucked it into the fire. And that's right. And uh, something, boom, hit my ankle. And I remember, oh, there's a little hole and there's a little bit of blood. And I guess what it was was the primer for the shell that sets off the shell. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that was the answer at the time. Oh, my God. You know, first, I've been shot. You fucker, you asshole. I've been shot, for Christ's sake. What the fuck are you doing, man? Crazy friend, crazy friend. Uh, And uh, anyway... This, you know, I get home and I think, holy fuck, I got a sock with blood on it. I, I, you know, my mother's doing all my laundry in those days. You know, what do I do? Do I just throw out the pair of socks? Like, I, like that's a, somebody's going to ask questions. My God, were you shot? Uh, anyway, well, how did we get onto that? Oh, yeah, the uh, police picking up all the clothes. So, anyway, it's uh, Ken here having a grand old time in uh, Bluffers Park once again, and with a bit of an apology for episode number 49, the one I put out. Now that, you'll have to understand, was I was all hyped up for Podcamp Toronto, and I put out, and I'm very pleased with episode 48. If you want a rundown of what I believe this, my style of podcasting is all about, listen to that. If you want to get a feel for uh, Podcamp Toronto, listen to that. 49, I recommend listening on double speed. I tried last night, I was a little bit high, and I listened on the way home, and oh, fuck, I was getting so bored, but... 
you know, I, I knew what I was saying, and I was just like, get on with it, man. You know, and so I did the double speed, and it made it a little more interesting. But, of course, I was high, too, so I couldn't really judge. I just said, well, that's kind of fun. And then then I'd switch it up, and I'd put it on half speed. And that was even better in parts, you know, but you couldn't have too much of that. So 30 seconds half speed, and then back to double speed again. And uh, it made for a better listen, so that's what I'm recommending. If you haven't yet listened to 49, uh, definitely double speed recommended. It was long and boring, and I, I hope this one will not be uh, the same. Already, I think this is better if we were the kind that had to measure the podcast. Listen, speaking of podcasts, great new group. I went last night, Friday, February what, 25th, 26th, I don't know, uh, to Corking Mahone's um, pub, 777 Bay Street. Uh, for the second uh, podcaster gathering organized by Andy. Uh, Andy, whose last name I can't pronounce, but Andy stayed right to the end with uh, Picard 102, uh, his dear wife, Jennifer Langtree, and uh, that other guy I'm uh, promising to do a Gappage episode with, Brent the Closet Geek. Uh, and we stood at the bar and we just sort of talked about it and reintroduced ourselves and... Uh, it was a very, very good evening. I once again tried to talk Brent out of having another beer, but he won't listen to me. He just gets very stubborn after a few. and uh, Doesn't like it when I call him son and tell him to stop drinking. Anyway, we're looking forward to that. I realize that I'm probably... Uh, it's more fun. You know, I don't often do it, but recording with somebody else, too. And uh, you're getting a bit of conversation going on as opposed to this... But I already feel like I'm two people right now anyway, because that little toke I had, one little, one little vapor, what do you call it, what, what would you say, what, are you vaporized, I've, I'm using the vaporizer, what's a word, how can I make that a noun, one little, one little vape, I guess, one little vape, and holy shit, I'm good to go. So I'm not going to be moving for a while. I do not want to be in motion. I just want to stay here in the safety and comfort of Buffers Park with those waves you would not believe. This is, uh, you know, certainly in the top ten of the roughest times you've seen Lake Ontario from Buffers. And it's uh, it's exciting, you know. I guess there's a strong wind out there. Man, I would not want to be in a boat. And it looks cold. Okay, so much for that. Uh, I guess, you know, what I might even do is just sort of stop here for a while because uh, I'm trying to make up for the last time by not going on quite as long. Uh, anyway, th- this gathering last time was a lot of fun. We, we were the last to, to leave, but there were a lot of other people I met out there. And uh, people are glad. Pe- and you know what? I guess here's the feeling I had. It's almost like it's being passed over to another generation. Now, am I, am I, is that, can I say that? This, this, it's a transition. Okay, no, let me put it another way. It's good that there are more people still getting excited about podcasting. Like, there's a bit of a rush, and people wanting to do it. And, and especially, I like the fact there's a lot of people who haven't done it yet, but really want to. They're very interested. They want to find out more. So there were some of those people at uh, PodCamp Toronto last week. And then I, I guess there were some uh, this time at this little uh, podcaster gathering in an Irish pub. So I think there's going to be more meetups, the, you know, real life. Brent is talking about, he's organizing karaoke night, podcaster karaoke night, which is a great idea, but uh, hopefully I won't go. 
And then um, uh, more live podcaster nights back at the Imperial. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of motion. People are excited. There's a buzz, but it's, it's not just amongst the same old, same old people is what I'm getting at. There's a lot of new people coming along who are pretty excited about this. And uh, that's definitely what we all need to keep the... Uh, to keep it going, to keep it alive, to keep it vital, to keep it fun, to keep it stimulating. Okay, I'm going to sign off right there and get back to watching the movies, but I have the feeling I'll be back, so uh, stay tuned. Maybe I'll sneak in a tune here. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Just a short bit, a tune. Something you like, something from the um, collection of songs my son gave me uh, when I last saw him in Vancouver. All right. Enjoy this. Bye for now. Sunday, <clears throat> February 28th, a beautiful, glorious day here in Bluffers Park. It's uh, 
Well, there's a lot more people out. It's kind of nice. Like families come out, people walking their dogs, children feeding the ducks, and uh, people just, you know, hey, we've had a winter. This is a spring-like day. People want to be outside. And that's kind of why I'm here. For my 390th check-in time, that's uh, that's as many times I've checked in on, uh, oh, whatever the program it is that I check in on, you know, one of those things. It keeps track when you're here, and of course I've been here many more times than that, but uh, on Swarm, it says 390, so I'll have a celebration when I hit 400, which uh, should be pretty soon. Um, I'm just back from church. Uh, any new listeners should know that I go to a very interesting church called West Hill United. And the minister, if you just Google her name, Greta, G-R-E-T-T-A, Vosper, V-O-S-P-E-R, uh, you'll find her. She's all over the place, in the news, on TV, on uh, the radio, on podcasts, all over the Internet. She's written two books, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful person. She gave a talk today. And it was so good. It was based on what they did. Is last night they had a pasta supper with wine and everything for people in the church. Saturday night, hey, come to the church, have some wine, some excellent pasta dinners, and then we're going to watch the movie Spotlight. And then I'm going to talk about it in church the next day. Wonderful thing. I didn't go. Instead, I watched uh, Ex Machina with uh, my son, and I enjoyed that. And that was more important to me than joining the some of the congregation and watching a movie. Um, with family time at home. Outranks church. So, but Sunday morning, hey, everybody's sleeping, so off I go. Anyway, uh, her talk was it's just like being back in university and you're listening to a professor and you've really got to pay attention. And it was about the nature of truth and how far we remove ourselves from truth through uh, tricks. And she, she likened it to a ladder, and I guess this has been maybe done by other people. And you're the further up the ladder you are, the further away you are from real objective truth and truth is sort of at the bottom and just a step above truth we have our perceptions well how what we saw something well what did we what did we perceive what do we look at and we narrow our perceptions we restrict them to you know she, she used the example you saw two people standing close together there might have been all kinds of other people standing close together but your perception limited it to those two people and then you go from there to your assumptions aha what were they doing? Why were they together? What's going on? Is there an affair? Is there something else? You don't know about it, and your assumptions can go, uh, you know, in all directions and be completely misinformed and be further and further away from the objective truth. Uh, after assumptions, you might come to some conclusions. I think I'm leaving out a couple of steps here. But anyway, it's just how far we sometimes get from reality. And the whole thing was we, we live in the houses, we build our, we construct our realities to suit ourselves and we block off the things we really don't want to know about or don't care about and a lot of the um, conclusions and subsequent actions we take after you know coming to our conclusions could be built on completely false premises like we've missed something entirely and there's all these steps along the way and so it was a challenge to everybody to uh, rebuild your house to tear down the walls and to start thinking about hey what do you really know? Where do you get your ideas from? And and just check yourself. So it was a, it was a good talk. It was well presented. And afterwards, there's always coffee and snacks. And uh, then there was a call. Somebody came up and said, we've got some extra wine downstairs that's already been poured, left over from last night. Please come and get it or we'll have to throw it out. So of course, I was first in line. 
had a very decent glass of red wine. Uh, the catch being, by the way, we've got a whole lot of tables that have to be folded up and put away like you do in a gymnasium, you know. And that was good, you know, and you stand there and you're chatting with people. And it was a very, very friendly group. And then suddenly else somebody called, oh, Ken, so nice to have you back. Listen, we got a project. We got to photograph everybody. Could you maybe leave some help in that? And the next thing you know, hmm, maybe I'm going to be rejoining because like, I'd been away for two months. But there was a, a feeling as I sat in church today that do I need this? No, I don't need this. What do I value out of it? Well, it's not the singing, it's not the hymns, it's not so much the people there, although there's a lot, awful lot of nice people that I enjoy talking to, but it's Greta and her wisdom. And it's this alone is worth me going to. Now, of course, a lot of this gets recorded and filmed and put up. I don't know how far behind they are. But uh, if I had a link to um, any of her talks... I'll post them on my Baby Sally Talks blog. Uh, one more thing that came out of it. They had, um, they have now joined our West Hill United, for which I have the new T-shirt, by the way, has joined something called the Oasis Network, which is a sanctuary for free thinkers. It was decided that uh, West Hill United will join them because it's a network and it's a, a broader way to get your message out and maybe to get more people coming. And by the way, the congregation is growing while most other churches are struggling and losing people on a yearly basis. West Hill United, thanks to Greta Vosper and her belief system, uh, is growing. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, the philosophy behind Oasis is... Um, Oasis Network is guided by core values which define its communities but allow for innovation and autonomy. So you can join this as a community, but you can be very flexible. At Oasis, they believe people are more important than beliefs. Reality is known through reason. Meaning comes from making a difference. Human hands solve human problems. So, uh, no argument there. So, that's good. Um, now, I'm going to read something else, and I'm going to read it in my normal voice, but I think what I'm going to do is put this into Audacity and speed it up, because you're going to say, oh, come on. I've heard enough for that bloody Dick and Jane stuff. This is the book Adam sent me um, last week I was talking about. Uh, growing up with Dick and Jane, learning and living the American dream. And here is the page on Sally. So I'm going to read this, and again, don't adjust your set. My voice will be sped up to make this less painful. Sally. Sally is a force of nature, unpredictable and full of energy. What attracts her, she runs toward. Too young to play by the rules, Sally innocently barges through stories and into situations, spicing out Dick and Jane's life whenever she appears. If a story has a surprise ending, it's usually Sally's silly antics that make the plot spin. Sally is lucky enough to be the baby and gets away with mischief. Sally walks through puddles in mother's shoes while Dick stands by laughing. She powders the noses of pets and toys alike, and everyone thinks she's cute. When she speeds down the street in her toy car, she's on her own, so focused and fearless in her determination to get where she wants that she's oblivious to whatever might cross her path. No matter what she's up to, three-year-old Sally is always learning about the world. Everything that happens to her is new. She's the curious member of the family, free of responsibility and full of imagination. Sally struts, darts, and responds to surprises with big theatrical gestures and a tiny vocabulary. Sally makes people pay attention to her, and she makes them laugh. She's involved in the here and now. She can't think ahead. Sally is a magnet for mishaps. 
she loses Tim, her teddy bear, again and again. Sally drops her ice cream cone, gets lost on a bus, and trapped under a big umbrella. Dick and Jane, who always watch out for her, don't mind, because they are responsible and eager to show Sally what it means to do the right thing. They never lose their patience or get too mad at Sally, because they remember that not so long ago, they were babies too. All right. That was Sally. And, of course, the whole point of uh, Baby Sally Talks is that Sally grew up. We didn't know who Sally would be, and here we are now. Decades later, I'm Sally. You may be Sally, too. An unknown quantity. All right, all right, all right. That's it. I promised I was going to keep these sections short. This is about a 10-minute clip, and I'm going to stop right there and uh, get on with uh, just enjoying the rest of the day. So uh, I hope you're having a lovely day out where you are. Whatever day it is, maybe you're at work, maybe you're driving somewhere. I know that's how some people listen. Maybe you have the luxury of just going for a walk with your dog. Whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to the Diction Janes podcast, I, uh, I wish you a little bit of happiness and joy. Bye for now. Well, I'm a king, babe. Buzzing around your house. Well, I'm a king, baby, buzzing around your house. Yeah, I can make honey, baby, let me come inside. Well, I'm a king, babe, want you to be my queen. Well, I'm a king, baby, baby, want you to be my queen. Together we can make honey, the world has never seen. Well, but so why? songs on this uh, particular episode. Hey, a while back, I think I referred to it as Dixon Janes. Sorry, I meant Baby Sally Talks. 
uh, which this is, episode number 50. Um, and I'm just doing shorter clips. I, I'm, I got so bored with myself on episode, what, 49, the one after PodCamp anyway. It just, oh my God. So I really should go try and go back to the 30-minute format and keep shorter clips. But anyway, here we are. Yesterday was one of those days when nothing went right. I just couldn't get in the groove. Just every little thing, you know, like the clumsiness and just nothing just went smoothly. And uh, I didn't know. I, I almost ended up in Kingston. I got on the highway and just started driving. It's, I, I'm getting in the car for me is a really good release. And uh, fortunately, I pulled off in Pickering and uh, didn't go much further. But there was that sense. I, I just got to go. I just got to go. I got to go. So anyway, I'm reading this book. No, not the baby Sally. We've parked that for a while. And the only reason I went on about Sally is because some of you still don't get it. Okay? And I'll keep coming back to that. But this book, Life, by Keith Richards, it is excellent. I'm, I'm just stunned. I guess he had a, a ghostwriter, or not a ghostwriter, but somebody to help him. Uh, because he couldn't have possibly written a book this good. But my God, it is so interesting. And especially for somebody like myself, my age group, who grew up with the Stones. Like when he's, when he's writing about 63, 64, I knew what I was hearing on the radio in 63 and 64. And uh, God, Brian does not come off like a very nice guy. And earlier on, I had read the uh, book, uh, Biography, about Brian, and he came across as a bit of a shithead then. Unfortunately, I mean, just kind of messed up. And, but uh, Keith didn't seem to have much love for him. But we haven't got to his death yet. We're coming to that. We're just doing the first uh, North American tour, and they've just they've hit it big. But all they want to be is the best blues band in uh, in England and London in particular, and they're not really thinking about being a pop group. In fact, they're fighting that as much as they can. There was kind of a neat passage, and they needed a hit song, and um, they just they couldn't. Here we are, September '63. No songs, at least none that we thought would make the charts, because they've already made the charts now, and uh, they're recognized for what they were—a blues band—and people are getting into that. In fact, one of the stories Keith Richards is talking about is how the Stones succeeded in turning a lot of white people, including um, white Americans onto black music in the States, and they, he figured that's our, our greatest claim to fame. Anyway, no songs, nothing would make the charts, nothing in the ever-depleting R&B barrel looked likely. We were rehearsing at Studio 51 near Soho. Andrew had disappeared to walk about and absent himself from this gloom, and he walked into John and Paul getting out of a taxi in the Charing Cross Road. They had a drink, and they detected Andrew's distress. He told them, no songs. They came back to the studio with him and gave us a song that was on their next album, but wasn't coming out as a single, I Want to Be Your Man. They played it through with us. Brian put on some nice slide guitar. We turned it into an unmistakably Stones rather than a Beatles song. It was clear that we had a hit almost before they'd left the studio. They deliberately aimed it at us. They're songwriters. They're trying to flog their songs. It's Tin Pan Alley. And they thought this song would suit us. And also, we were a mutual admiration society. Mick Mick and I admired their harmonies and their songwriting capabilities. They envied us our freedom of movement and our image. And they wanted to join in with us. The thing is, with the Beatles and us, it was a very friendly relationship. 
It was also very cannily worked out, because in those days, singles were coming out every six, eight weeks. And we'd try and time it so that we didn't clash. I remember John Lennon calling up and saying, Well, we're not finished mixing yet. We've got one ready to go. Okay, you go first. So it's kind of neat that um, they were different. Now, they almost tried to suck you in when you were on the, the fan side. You had to be either a Beatles fan or a Stones fan. And, of course, I was both. And uh, I had a Stones album um, before I had a Beatles album. I mean, I just... And that stuff now... I don't know anything about music. It's, that's already... Am I shouting? I'm sorry. I don't know anything about music at all. And I can't tell... What is a chord? What is a note? I, I mean, yeah, I get an idea, but I just don't understand it the way a musician does. But I love it. And I'm hearing now, as I listen to this stuff, it's like I'm hearing it better. And it's not because I'm high. I mean, I guess before, you're thrilled by the, the feeling of the song. And, and you're young, and you're feeling that energy. You know, you're feeling the drums, you're feeling the beat, you're feeling just good, and you want to get a woman, and you're all excited and horny and... There's this stuff going on. But now I'm hearing it, and I'm actually hearing the musicianship. And it's amazing. I mean, they were good. So it's it's a fabulous read. If anybody's out there looking for something, I picked this up for about seven, eight bucks at um, is it BMV Books. I can't remember, or something like that. Here in Toronto, just, you know, on, on stack of them on sale. And, uh, boy, am I ever glad I got it. So I guess I'm going to leave it there. I just wanted to share a little bit of happiness and use this to sort of uh, space out my songs because I'm going to fit another one in here too. And um, I guess maybe share a little bit of the joy. It's another happy day for me. I've, I've, I've picked up some groceries. I'm going to cook some tandoori chicken. It's already been spiced, so no big deal. And try to make uh, fried rice. This will be my first time to make something really a little fancier. And I got some naan to bake, bake in the oven. Just to be a little bit kinder to my wife. I bought her a magazine today, uh, the Rolling Stone special issue on David Bowie, because she is a huge David Bowie fan, always has been that, and Queen, and Eric Clapton. It's It's a shame. There's only a few people who've listened to this show who've actually been to my house, maybe stayed over and actually met Naoko. She's a very interesting woman. And, uh... It's just she's just would not have any fun if I dragged her out to any of these functions, and that'd be the end of that. I was even thinking of planning. Why don't we have a podcasters' weekend in Niagara Falls? You can get a deal on the hotels, be a blast. You can do gambling. You can get transportation down there. You know, go to the casino, go out for a meal, just go out drinking, partying, whatever. And I'm thinking there's kind of a couple's thing, you know, people would want to go and bring somebody or or just party. Anybody could go. It doesn't have to be a couple's thing, but I'm just thinking, no, I'm thinking I'm not going to plan a weekend away in Niagara Falls without involving my wife. And then sort of came to the reality. This would not be in the least bit fun for it. It's not that she's better than anybody. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... You know, when you get into conversations, and it's hard enough for me to keep up with the cultural nuances and the the inside jokes and the references, it would be impossible for her to follow. And seldom in gatherings like that do people get into real conversations. It, it's, it's, it's hard. So, shelving that, <clears throat> just thought I'd uh, put that out there with a big, guess not, scratch that. 
beside it or through it. So, all right, I'm going to get back to uh, some more stones. I'm just loving it. I'm loving it, loving it. And I uh, hope you're enjoying it, too. I hope you don't just put this whole damn thing on double speed and uh, zip through the songs. I hope you've got enough time in your life that you, you can actually listen. Bye for now. Howdy, folks, and, uh, well, you haven't gone anywhere. You, maybe you were listening straight through, but for me, it's a different day of the week. That's how I do this thing, right? It's, uh, I drag you through a week, so I guess I had a name for it today. This is more of a, it's a journal, I guess, in a way, because a couple of new people have asked me, well, what's your podcast about? <laughs> it isn't about, it. well, it's about me, I suppose, my life, uh, sometimes my views, my opinions, my memories. But it's uh, kind of an audio journal, I suppose. 
And uh, here I am, my favorite recording place, Buffers Park, drinking a free McCafe because McDonald's is giving free coffee all week, which is nice. And it's sunny. We had a heavy snowfall last night, but it's beautiful and white. And uh, the sun is shining bright, so it's a, it's a lovely day to be sitting in the car. My cat, Yuki, had me up three times during the night. It's like wanting out, and then you open the door, and then she looks, and the deck is covered in snow. And I'm trying to sweep some of it away because she won't use litter box. Like, she'll only go outdoors. So you never know. You don't want to keep her in. But, uh, you know, two in the morning, you know, four in the morning, you're figuring, oh, come on. Don't do this. So finally, I think at six, I put her in the basement and closed the door and uh, didn't hear from her until uh, till I got up. But what she does, she just comes right up to my son's room. He closes the door. He pushes something against it at night so she can't get in uh, because he's the one. He's the official letter in and outer. And uh, she'll just sit right with her head right in the corner of the door where it opens and meow. And the meow makes wakes all three of us up. It's incredible. Like, she's got this thing. But we love her so much. We just, you know, what are you going to do? So then you end up, you know, four in the morning, you're sitting there. Well, I'm, I can't go to bed because then she's going to meow to get back in. It's cold. It's snowy. She only needs out for a few minutes, maybe. So you put on the TV and... And you end up having to come to Buffers Park to have a little nap. But what a great place to have a nap. I got the moon roof open. The sky is, well, beautiful blue. Anyway, um, I'm still enjoying very much this Keith Richards book. Although, a good friend, uh, Rob, formerly Singapore Sam, and I'm not going to call him Thailand Tom now. Uh, Rob, fellow I met when I was uh, studying my uh, TESOL certificate in Ottawa at Carleton. Um, posted a link to an imaginary letter that Mick Jaggers might have written in response to this Keith uh, Richards biography. And it was really, really well done. I mean, it was a very, very clever letter, as if it really did seem to come from Mick. And what he was saying, Keith Richards conveniently left out or, or didn't take responsibility for. One of them was Brian Jones, who keeps coming up as just a miserable guy. Uh, and I guess he, he beat his women, and they were, you know, this that are saying, hey, we knew what was going on. We could hear it from the other room. We should have stopped this early. Uh, Brian was a really mixed up, messed up person. So I'm, I'm going to read a quote uh, from the book right now. There are so many, but I'll just uh, put this one. I think I'm actually going to paste it in the Dixon Jane zine as well. Acid came into his picture, this is Brian, around the same time. So we're talking uh, 65 or so. Brian disappeared late in 1965 when we were in mid-tour with the usual companions, complaints of ill health and surfaced in New York, jamming with Bob Dylan, hanging with Lou Reed in the Velvet Underground, and doing acid. Acid to Brian was something different than your average drug taker. The dope at the time really wasn't, at least as far as the rest of us were concerned, a big deal. We were only smoking weed and taking a few uppers to keep us going. Acid made Brian feel he was one of an elite, like the acid test. It was that cliquishness. He wanted to be part of something, could never find anything to be part of. I don't remember anyone else going on about saying, I've taken acid. But Brian saw it as a sort of Congressional Medal of Honor. 
And then he'd come on like, you wouldn't know, man. I've been tripping. And he's primping himself. That terrible primping, the hair. The little idiosyncrasies became so annoying. It was a typical drug thing that they think they're somebody special. It's the head club. You'd meet people who'd say, are you a head? And it conferred some, as if it conferred some special status. People who were stoned on something you hadn't taken. Their elitism was total bullshit. Ken Kesey's got a lot to answer for. And I'll stop it there. It goes on. Um, that That's a very good passage because there are people like myself who do like to think we're cool because we've taken acid. And, of course, I'm just humbled as soon as I meet somebody who says, yeah, I was taking acid every weekend. Oh, fuck, I only did a few trips, you know. And then, you know I've done my share of mask and uh, peyote, or not peyote, uh, psilocybin, the magic mushrooms. But, you know, a real acid head was doing a lot. Uh, and I wasn't. Uh, probably, thank God, because I, I don't think I'd be here today if I had. But <clears throat> it's just one little thing about him. Uh, there was another part. Dude, I guess Wyman's girlfriend, or not Wyman's, uh, sorry, Keith Richards' girlfriend at the time, running off, meeting Jimi Hendrix and giving away one of Keith's guitars to Jimi Hendrix. And, uh, and in fact, giving a copy of a song, a demo of, um, I guess it was Hey Joe, where you're going with that gun in your hand, that Keith was thinking of recording, and he had a demo copy from somebody else, and she gave the tape to Hendrix, and of course, he made it famous. So, just the inside of what's going on, and again, I'm loving it because, yes, I remember this shit, I remember this, the time, that thrill, it really does take me back to my youth. So, anyway, the next chapter, I'm about to chap- start chapter six. I've looked at the book, and I figure, I figure I'm two-fifths of the way through. Not quite a third, and not half for sure. Two-fifths. Chapter six, in which I got busted in Redlands. That's going to be good. Escape to Morocco in the Bentley. Hmm. Do a moonlight flit with Anita Pollenberg. Make my first courtroom appearance, spend a night in the scrubs, and the summer in Rome. Like, how could you not want to read that? Jesus Christ. So, uh, books have always been a part of this podcast. Uh, The books I'm reading, I just sort of get totally taken over. And I guess it's my nature. I just, I get drawn in. Like, when I was reading the Joni Mitchell book, I gotta gotta, gotta, gotta get these Joni Mitchell albums. And it's good, because it, it keeps me alive and stimulated and excited about life and learning and and freshening up old memories, for one thing. Uh, but anyway, now, of course, I'm wanting to go back and get some of the Old Stones tracks I don't have. Like, I don't have a copy of Let It Bleed and... Uh, some of the others I've only got some of the songs from. Uh, anything before 72. And uh, it's kind of interesting, because in that letter that supposedly written by Mick to Bill Wyman, uh, he's sort of saying, we didn't do anything during the 80s, and that's why he dropped out of the band. And, and Because he's saying, not covered in the book, is that Keith couldn't be counted on. He's just him and all his junkie friends were just pulling the band down, and so... Uh, he broke away, tried a solo career, uh, and thinks there really wasn't very much that uh, of good quality stuff, with the exception of a few songs like Waiting on a Friend, which is one cut I've got to get. All right, I guess I've gone on long enough about that. 
Uh, so you will be here nothing but early stones uh, on this particular uh, particular podcast, and I'm happy about that. I'm I'm sort of celebrating. It's it's this stuff. You know, I'm going back 50 years now. To some of you listeners, you're not going to remember. Maybe you're a little child. Maybe good chance you weren't even born. But for me, 50 years is wow. These are these are my years. 50 years ago, I was what? I was uh, 17. Holy shit! You're just getting off on this stuff. You're just excited by this. What's all this new music coming out? Because I was never, I was never an Elvis Presley fan. I that was my brother and sister. But this catching the wave, really catching the wave at the perfect time for this, you know, this wave of British music that was coming out. Amazing, amazing. So, sorry, I know that sometimes sounds like bragging. Hey, hey, I was born at a great time and you weren't. <laughs> oh, that's an evil laugh. Um, but, hey, come on now. I'm old. I'm going to die before you. So, you know, can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah. All right. Need I rub it in again? Being 19 when Expo 67 was around in Montreal. Holy shit, man. Canada's centenary, and it's nice. I'm going to be around for our 150th anniversary. I'm excited about that. Got to do something special for that. Uh, tour Canada. Maybe that's the year to get my um, to get my van. I'm looking at one right now, a Road Trek 190, and it's parked here overlooking Lake Ontario. And I've, I've just, oh God, would that be nice to have just a little vehicle? And you could just instead of me, I, I recline the driver's seat and go back, and I have a nice nap. But there, you could actually have a real sleep, and you got your You'd have it hooked up with a nice stereo system. You'd have your books. And, oh, man, would that be nice. i just have to find one used somewhere that's, uh, that I'm not going to have to uh, do too much maintenance on because I'm just not handy. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're running over time here. It's a 10-minute clip this time. So, uh, boys and girls, uh, all I want to share with you today is I'm just one happy dude. And uh, I want you to know that when you reach my age, 67... Going on, I'll be 68. Holy fuck. The end of April. When you reach my age, you too can be happy too. Whether your back is fucked up or not, and uh, you got a funny walk, and all the other shit that goes on with the pills you got to take for your high blood pressure and cholesterol levels and diabetes and all the shit that's just part of a decaying body, you can still have one fucking great life and enjoy it. But uh, a lot of that's up to you. Okay, signing out. Here's another stone to
So the final thing I want to talk to you about, the podcast listener page, it has been updated, and I want to thank Doug Sluggis, Doug, who we haven't heard in just a little while. Come back to us, Doug. We want to hear some more music from the olden days of Doug. The olden Doug. No, now now is the olden Doug. That would be the young and Doug, I guess. Young and Doug sounds like it's a foreign name. But uh, I resubscribed to some podcasts I had let go of, and I, one of them I had let go of was XO, uh, Keith McNally podcast. I, I actually, I think at one time I thought he had stopped podcasting, so uh, I think it, it actually coincided with me switching devices or something, or switching apps or something, so I manually added things back, and uh, I just didn't add anything back because Vinyl Countdown had finished, and uh, I think it was a video game podcast had finished, and uh, something else was going on. He was about to move or something. So I thought, well, he, uh, and I think it had been a couple of months since we'd seen anything. So I just let everything go. And then Doug posted, you know, how much he enjoyed the latest episode of XO, which I listened to yesterday. So I, so I resubscribed and got that one and calling home, which is uh, phone calls back home uh, to Keith's mother. Um, and I think I've explained before how through the, uh, through the history of my podcast uh, exposure, uh, it all goes back to Keith, uh, really, the family tree of Canadian podcasting, because when I was on the road years ago, when I first started listening on my brown 30-gig brick of a Zoom, I would uh, I would go to places and I would download podcasts, and I was listening to Wiretap on the CBC, which was not even posting a podcast. Somebody had their own personal website and was posting all the episodes on, like, an illegal, well, wasn't it, you know, an undercover website or something. And I would go out there and I would download just episode after episode. I downloaded them all at one point or another and listened to all of the ones that were available and then kept listening till it went off the air. And then I discovered Keith and the Girl, which I stopped listening to probably three or four years ago because I didn't like the way they treated Keith uh, McNally. So I stopped, tre- I stopped listening to them. Uh, but that's where I discovered Keith McNally was on Keith and the Girl, and then I discovered he had the EXO podcast. It was on the EXO podcast, I believe he had Scarborough Dude on the EXO podcast, and that's how I discovered Scarborough Dude and went and listened to Dixon Janes, and that's how I found everybody else. I found everybody else through Ken talking about, well, you should listen to Doug, you should listen to uh, Mark Levis, you should listen to Bob, you should listen to Anthony, you know, all these people that he would mention all the time. And then so I would go out and I would find all these other people, and that's how I branched off, and that's how I found everything. So really, I've come back full circle, and that is good podcast. Uh, but if you want to uh, find uh, what I'm listening to, if you even care, so maybe you want something new to listen to, uh, podcast I listen to tab on Up in This Brain uh, blog.com. Of course, there's a link on the upinthisbrain.com page also, and I keep it updated. I converted it all from HTML into a Google Doc, and now it's just an embedded Google Doc that I can just update on the fly. And uh, I've been, you know, I've added uh, WTF. Oh, here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. I will give a plug for that real quick. Um, what a fantastic interviewer. I mean, I don't know what you think of him personally, uh, but what a fantastic interviewer. And I listened to him talking to Carol Burnett. Um, what a great, cool interview that was. And uh, so it's, it's like Mark Marin. It's just I listened to him talking to Crispin Glover earlier this week and another just fantastic interview. So uh, two podcasts that I highly recommend there, WTF and Here's the Thing. Uh, with Alec Baldwin, he had uh, Alec Baldwin had uh, Paul Simon on, which I thought that was a good interview, also. Uh, so uh, it's just neat to hear uh, somebody who's really good at interviewing interview people. You never hear me interviewing anybody because I'm sitting here at the kitchen table. 
So I think that's it for this week. This is going to be a kind of a long one. My apologies. I hope you got through it okay. Um, I, and I also apologize. I thought I would have this up earlier today, but um, that's the way the ball bounces. The snowball microphone bounces. Uh, got a little twerking here on the way out for you. So get your uh, get your twerking pants on. And uh, I had some weird twerking uh, Twitter websites favorite my twerking tweets. So I'm afraid what will happen when I post this. I'll probably get uh, favorited again by some weird twerkers. Uh, there's like a whole twerking nation out there, like a whole twerking community. It rivals the Canadian amateur podcast community. It's very scary, and I don't want to become a part of it. But I will play you this song, and I can't vouch for all the language in it, so you better uh, better turn it down if you got the little ends around. It's got the wordy dirts in it, I believe. So um, get your twerk on. Talk to you again next week. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Up In This Brain if you want to reach out, shake your emoji fist at me. Whatever you want to do, if you want to condemn me for listening to Rush Limbaugh, uh, he listens to Rush, but he likes Bernie. How is this possible? Because I have a brain. I can I can listen to multiple opinions and not get pissed off, and I can handle it and still form my own opinion. That's that's how the world should work. We should be able to we should be able to listen to everything and have absorb it all, and then formulate our own opinion and not have to get, be pissed at anybody. Wouldn't that be a perfect, wonderful world? Wouldn't it be? Why don't we just whistle while we twerk and just twerk it right out, okay? Have a good weekend. Something happened to me yesterday. Something I can't speak of right away. Something happened to me.
world. So from all of us to all of you, not forgetting the boys in the band and our producer, Reg Thorpe, we'd like to say God bless. So if you're out tonight, don't forget if you're on your bike, wear white.